Welcome to Talk With Me in 2017. Well, this is the first show that we're recording this new year that's going to bring us all kinds of tricks. <laughs> I don't want to go there. 2017. Okay. Um, this is Marcia Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas on lawrencehits.com. And a lot of what you're going to hear this year is artists, yay, because I strongly believe in the way that art brings people information and connection and builds community and inspires people to action, including lots of goodness, which we are going to need in this world. No question about that. Today, my guest is Ejna Martin, and we met, I'm sure, at Slams in Lawrence, Kansas, um, back in the day when first I started by saying, oh, I'm going to host a slam. I've never been to one, but sounds like a good idea. <laughs> back in March, uh, and, or excuse me, May of 2014. And then the connections just grew from there. There's been a generous sharing of talent from the Kansas City area, the Poetic Underground Group, Uptown Arts Bar, Prospero's Books. I could give too many shout outs, so I'll just stop there. And that's how I met you, because you're part of that crew that said, hey, we'll come to Lawrence and do some things with those folks. And it's been great. So good morning and welcome. Good morning. You. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I think we sat down about two years ago and I had such a good time. I've been begging to let you come uh, to have me back. So. And lots of things happen in two years, lots of new things to talk about, yeah. lots of things that are going on, new ventures that you have going on now and coming up in the future. It's a pretty exciting time, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, primary, uh, primary. Um, <laughs> first among those is I, I started a, a publishing press. Um, I think the last time I was here, I was talking about a, a book that was about to come out or maybe had just come out, which was called Beautiful and Abominable. Came out through Spartan Press. And... Uh, I sold out the first print run. I just didn't have the money for a reprint. I didn't have the 400 bucks. So uh, just one weekend, you know, just for fun. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a chat book. Uh -huh. I'm going to put out the B-sides. I have a, a lot of material that um, was of a darker nature that didn't quite uh, fit in with uh, trying to be that beautiful part of the abominable. <laughs> so, um, you know, it just started one Saturday morning. And, and uh, by, by 1130 that night, I had figured out how to put together a book. Uh, it was called Hashtag Beer. It uh, was about beer, printed <laughs> on beer. Uh, both uh, the pages were soaked in beer. And um, the cover was made out of the cardboard that separates <laughs> um, different layers of, uh, of beer when it's shipped to the bar, right? And it just happened to be this perfect 80-pound paper um, that when you printed it black and white on it, it came out sepia. And I only sold it for beer. Uh, initially, um, if you wanted to get that book, you'd have to give me some beer. Uh, I also accepted other forms of liquor. But um, and then, then you know, I um, I ended up doing uh, books for other people. Um, did seven books, um, and then um, from there, now um, as of. January 18th, which is some indeterminable amount of time in the future, uh, a week or so, I guess. <laughs> um, the first perfect bound, quote unquote, real book that, you know, will have online distribution, uh, ISBNs, you know, bound by glue as opposed to staples and beer uh, will be coming out. Uh, Samantha Slipsky's 
what sits between my veins um, is coming out, as I said, on the 18th of January at the Uptown Arts Bar before uh, Poetic Underground. Um, so that's basically uh, 36th and Broadway in, in Kansas City. Uh, Eight o'clock, um, we'll have kind of a meet and greet with Samantha. Um, she'll read a few poems and then from there, uh, she'll go into her monthly hosting duties. So right. that's exciting to be yeah. working with someone who, you know, has taken such a lead in the community. Uh, she's the new, um, for lack of a better word, executive grand poobah. I think there's <laughs> uh, some specific hoity-toity term, or I can't remember it. But um, she stepped up in a, in a major, major way in this community in the last year, um, you know, going on tour and uh, being a great ambassador for uh, the Kansas City poetry scene in the surrounding areas. So I'm really proud to be putting out her first book. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been uh, a learning experience for both me and her, uh -huh. uh, you know, using new programs, upping our production methods, um, going back and forth with a real printer, uh, which is Ingram. Uh, you can go to ingramspark.com if you're feeling brave. It's making a book is not as hard as you might think. Um, it's just with anything, it involves making a lot of mistakes. So, and then I have um, a few more books coming out this year through EMP. Um, I know for a fact that um, I mean a guy named Damian Rucci who's ah, out of um, New Jersey. Out of New Jersey. Um, for uh, for those who do not know, I'm from New York. Um, my accent is gone now, <laughs> but. But when me and him start talking, it comes back real quick. So, uh, so he's coming down for the throwdown, and um, I'll try not to step on myself about giving you all the information at once. But um, that, that's that's what's new with me. Uh, just working on publishing other people because uh, I've, I've learned more about poems and and, and performance, etc., by uh, working with other people's art than than just by doing it for myself all the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. Very cool. And you mentioned Throwdown, so for people, I just want to, uh, to remind them, Kansas City Poetry Throwdown during April, which is Poetry Month, so mm -hmm. this will be the second year of that. Three days of poets from all over coming into Kansas City to, to read, to meet each other, to drink, to have fun. <laughs> yeah, it's um, at Prosperos, which is at the corner of uh, 39th and Bell in Kansas City. For those people coming, from Kansas, the good news is it's right off 35. It's right next to KU Med, so it's easy to find. Parking might be a problem, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of April. We're having poets from both coasts, as well as a large contingency from uh, from the Clevesburg area, <laughs> Cleveland, Pittsburgh, etc. I know we have one person from Toledo. Bill Gainer um, from Northern California. Yeah, from Northern California. Great. I already mentioned we got yeah. uh, Damien coming from Jersey. Yeah. Um, and uh, as always, um, the headliner and everybody's favorite Appalachian Frankenstein, John Dorsey, <laughs> will, be, uh, will be featured. I've never heard of that. That's great. Well, yeah, I, well I, I don't know. That was the name of one of his books, or possibly two. I think he might have had to turn it into two books because it was such a, such a Frankenstein of, of a work. But, um, but I, you know, I, I've never met anybody who didn't love John Dorsey. And you will remember him because he's got this voice. <laughs> right. Yeah. And as I've said that, I, I have to thank Jameson Bales and Jason Reberg 
who are two of the main people behind the Throwdown. And Jameson has been sending lots of poets my way to do shows with, which has been a blast. So Damien and I did a show a couple years ago, I think, and he's been around in this area since then. And, and he's, he's a great one to bring people together, mm -hmm. just like Jameson and Jason, and all this good stuff is going on. I'm just thrilled with what I keep, the little bits I hear about, the Kansas City poets are doing this and this, and they're going here and there. It's like, this is very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to think how much we've grown and how much we've uh, reached out into the um, to the national scene, uh -huh. really, in, in the last three years. Um, Poetic Underground, I think I, I said this last time I was, I was on. Uh, so four years ago, it was pretty much six people sitting around in a circle at the Uptown Arts Bar. And, um, you know, now... I, I mean, I haven't been to one in years where there hasn't been at least 25 people there. Uh -huh. And, you know, having people uh, just randomly find us. Um, so it, it's an exciting time to be yeah. uh, a poet in the Kansas City uh, area. Yeah. Sorry to, uh, to not refer to it as the Lawrence area. but It's Kansas City, man. You guys are awesome. And I just look like... Poet Jen Harris. Jen, you know, did this great tour this summer. Mm -hmm. There's all this good stuff going on. And so much of it is about connection. That's the thing. It's not like, I'm the star. You other ones don't pay attention, you know. It's, right. like, it's going to hear other people's performances and, and talking and meeting and sharing and learning. And it's really cool. Well, to, to backtrack a little bit, to tell a quick story about John Dorsey. Uh -huh. um, the best thing is to have other people reading your poetry, right? So um, it actually wasn't even mine. It was um, uh, the last book that EMP put out. <coughs> it will refer to as the Beer Money series. My friend Mark Luke Seawood. Um, well, we used to be friends. Uh, I'll read. Uh, I'll read a poem here in a little bit, which is the title poem of his book called "It's Too Late Now, Little Brother," which will explain why we're not friends anymore. Um, he uh, he's 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 gotten sober. Um, we were friends about 10 years ago. Um, it's being real, real crazy together. Um, uh, but anyway, um, um, I had given this book to, uh, to Dorsey and then corralled him into the bathroom at Prospero's. And so it was me, him and uh, someone else from, um, from uh, the uh, the Osage Arts Community, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm sure you've talked about on, on this program before. Well, because I know Dorsey did a residency down there. He did, yeah. he did. Um, Somebody, and Jason just did one, didn't he? Jason did one, Jeanette yeah. did one. Cool. Um, and uh, sadly, I didn't get to know too many other people there. I mean, go figure, you're, uh, you're holed up in the middle of nowhere to make art all day. Um, so there's not, there's not too much intermingling. <laughs> um, but good, you know, people are, are dedicated anyway. They, um, uh, to, to get back on point, the best thing ever is to hear other people uh, reading your work or reading work that you, you know, you believe in. Uh -huh. um, you know, I also put out a book by James Banger, and uh -huh. we'll be putting out more books by him in the future. Now, James Benger or somebody else? Um, I just. But is that ba Banger? James. Okay, different. James Benger is slight. I'm, 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 I'm just mispronouncing his name. This yeah, is great. His name is Benger. He's Benger. See, and the thing is, James is so, James is so mousy, he'll, he'll never uh, correct you. So thank you, Marcia. I mean, this way I'm not going around the country talking great about that banger. 
right. Well, you learn something new every day. But anyway, uh, getting to getting to know that um, you know other people are taking the same faith in stock and uh, the artists that you fall in love with. That, that you know, um, it, yeah. it's the greatest compliment you can have yeah. of uh, having an ever-growing community of people who are being turned on to each other's art. Um, but yeah. So did somebody read one of your poems, or what, where were we headed there? Um, no, no, no. I, I just um, Dor Dorsey ended up reading one of the poems out of this uh, book by by Mark. Ah. Um, not the one I'm going to read, actually. The, okay. the one he read was like nine minutes long, <laughs> which was um, anyway. I, I had to I had to bother Mark for a long time to give me this book. Like he will not give me his phone number. He will not give me his email address. In fact, he set up a new email address. Just to uh, just to send this to me, so that I couldn't try to communicate with him afterwards. But um, I think he knew that uh, this was uh, some poems that he needed to get out in, in, into the world. Uh -huh. um, you know, just because his life was so dark for for so long, and um, he has so much agony from from how things ended up. I mean. He, uh, well, I'll let you read the book, but tragedy struck him. And uh, um, I think you can make an argument that it, it probably should have struck me instead. Um, but but uh, but John Dorsey really liked that poem. And it, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it meant the world to me that that, um, you know, he would he would see something in Mark. Uh -huh. now, the same thing that I saw is. I mean, no one else has, has, has heard Mark because he doesn't he does not go out anymore. He will not read in public. Um, just, you know, because he's trying to avoid his triggers. Um, but Do you want to share one of his poems now? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm dancing around the, yeah. the issue. I might as well do it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do a bad job of trying to impersonate Mark. Um, he has his Oklahoma twang. So this is the title poem of the book. It's called It's Too Late Now, Little Brother. And uh, it's not too flattering to me. I bumped into my old roommate today when damn near the whole halfway house decided to go get dinner and he was the server in the section next to ours. I knew he was in a band that was starting to get out of this shithole city on tour a few times a year. I knew he was still getting drunk damn near every day. He had never up overcome his obsession with burning bridges and breaking promises, so I've been staying away. I watched him go behind the bar to pour drinks always sneaking himself a little something, staying drunk and making a mess of his tables, barely keeping it together enough that he could keep lying to himself about everything being just fine. He came up and found me when I was finished eating and with a glass-eyed smile and clumsy words, asked me how I'd been. He told me he was happy I was sober, despite how drunk I could see he was. I wanted to tell him how before I met him, I've been sober for nine months and was thinking about going back to school to finish out a degree in social work. How many had asked me to buy him a drink because he was too damn young? I'd gotten myself one too with money I shouldn't have spent so I wouldn't look like a square. And how many times I really wanted to quit drinking, but he'd always made it too hard, always buying booze and being drunk. And that was the reason that I'd moved out and disappeared on three days notice, not because I'd gone on a bender, but because I was trying to get better. I wanted to tell him there was a special reason. 
I wanted nothing to do with him, but he needed someone to blame, just like I'd always blame my dad for teaching me how to be an alcoholic and my mother for never speaking up when I should have known better. You know, salvation is believing there are reasons outside yourself for what has happened and that things will get better because there's something out there pulling the strings and smiling on your little successes. So instead of telling my old roommate what he had cost me, I apologized for all I owed him and told him it was my fault he was a drunk. My fault people couldn't stand to be around him for long. My fault he could never get out from behind the eight ball and my fault he couldn't find happiness because I'd injected him with the poison curse. It was my addictions. I told him I was proud of what he made of his life regardless and gave him 20 bucks, apologizing that I couldn't give him more to cover a nebulous decade old debt. And he took it with satisfaction, like more should be coming. Then he told me he wanted me to come with him and the band on the next tour to be his roadie and relive old times and laugh like we used to about stupid shit that was only funny when you were in a death spiral. And I just said, well, I'd like to, but it's too late now, little brother. And besides, you need to learn that there's no going back. So, as I said, not not too flattering to me, <laughs> which is the reason why uh, he won't talk to me anymore. But that, that wasn't easy to hear. But um, you know, um, it also made me realize that it really needed to be out there uh-huh. um, because. You know, how many times have have, uh, have have people gone through their life blaming everybody else for everything that's gone wrong with, with them? Mm-hmm. Well, I never realized that there was perspective on the other side. When I really started bugging him uh, to get me a book of poems was uh, three years ago. I bumped into him kind of like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to quit drinking at the time. And he told me, you know, you need to know some things. And uh, mostly that part about, you know, him being sober for nine months before I met him and, and um, how, you know, being a stupid kid, I couldn't see any of that. I couldn't see that, um, you know, I was enabling him just as bad, if not worse, as he was enabling me. Um, and, and it's also, you know, a book about addictions and how um, <clears throat> the deeper you fall the harder it is to get back out again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just shit piling on top of you until you can't see the sun anymore. Um, but, uh, but yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say about, about Mark, old Marky Wood. About Mark and about Esna. I mean, you're, you're talking about both of you. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. So, um, you know, um, you know, you, you use that phrase about shit piling up so the sun doesn't reach it. And then I'm thinking, well, you know, it takes a lot of shit, compost, et cetera, for things to grow really strong and healthy, too. So, you get yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, if it wasn't for him and it wasn't for those experiences, I'd, I'd be a vastly different person. And I might not have gotten into poetry. Um, when I met him, in fact, I was a fiction writer and was going to school for, for fiction at Iowa. and. Um, he was the one who turned me on to poetry and, and taught me how to perform. And half the books I've read, I've read at his suggestion. 
in, in, in one way or another. Either he, you know, he turned me on to James Baldwin or, or turned me on to guys like J.M. Coetzee and, and uh, Paul Astor and, and Colson Whitehead, you know, some, some modern fiction guys. Um, and, you know, he got me into the beats um, in, a, in, a, in a more earnest way, mm-hmm. not just reading on the road and thinking it was the all, all you know, end all be all of it. Um, you know, he, he gave me a big sir at one point, um, which is the story of Jack Kerouac drinking himself to death. And I think he might have been trying to tell me something, but mm-hmm. but I, I just didn't understand it for, for several years after that. Mm-hmm. So did you guys meet in college? Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was uh, about seven or eight years older than me. I can't remember. Um, and we met at, at a punk rock show. Mm-hmm. He was up in I, I went to the University of Iowa. So he was up in Iowa City kind of buzzing around the workshop, um, you know, trying to trying to get his life back together. Um, you know, he was going to community college at the time, um, trying to, you know, for like the third or fourth time in his life, just trying to get his grades up enough that he'd get into Iowa and uh, our drinking and poeming derailed that. And uh, so, so, yeah. Um, did you stay and finish? I, I, I did stay and I, I, I did finish, uh-huh. sort of. Um, I got my degree uh-huh. and, um, you know, I, I did help get uh, a creative writing major to, uh, to be an undergraduate option at Iowa for, uh-huh. for whatever reason, you know, the school that everyone attaches with creative writing didn't have, a, you couldn't major in creative writing until I think it was 2009 or 2010. Of course I graduated in 2008, so I didn't get to reap <laughs> the benefits of that. And, um, it didn't end up moving forward in academia in, mm-hmm. in, in writing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I think that probably had more to do with me being a snot-nosed little kid who knew too well <laughs> for everybody else. There, uh, there might've been a period where I was telling a Pulitzer Prize winner he was wrong. <laughs> and uh, I think last time I was on here, we actually were talking about uh, Arno Botem Semingway. Yes. Uh, who I uh, didn't know had this connection in yes. Lawrence. Yes, and he was, he was in that class with me. He was my arch nemesis. And uh, so, I'm not saying he was right about writing, but it sure seems to be working out a little better for him. <laughs> but, you know, I was talking to my uncle um, a, a couple days ago. I went to Baltimore um, <clears throat> to see my grandmother. You know, she's 91, believe it that, uh, uh, for Christmas. My uncle had, you know, cooked up and, you know, he's, he's the creative type of the family. He, I don't know. Can't remember. He, he's does something three days a week and, and spends the rest of his life, uh, you know, biking around and and uh, kayaking and windsurfing. Um, but anyway, we've been communicating by email since I got back from Baltimore. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, you know, great playing ping pong with you. I'm, I'm I'm sad we didn't pick up the paddle sooner in life. And I said, oh, trust me, I was an asshole till yesterday, <laughs> and that'll be true every day of my life. So you know. I'm I'm softening around the edges as, uh-huh. as I've turned thirty. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the, the more you know, the, the the more you realize, the less you know. Um, but but uh, I guess in conclusion on that topic, um, everywhere I've been uh, is dictating everywhere I'll go. And, and I, you know, I, I 
you'd like to go back and, and change all your past mistakes, but as that book ends, it's too late now, old brother, and you uh-huh. got to realize you can't change your past. Yeah. My, my attitude is no shame, no blame about the past. Just keep moving forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. So before we started actually being recorded today, mm-hmm. we were talking a little bit about some other people that we both connected with, and you were talking about some th- some things you got up your sleeve, things coming up with some other people. Um, yeah. Um, I am um, trying to be a better Seawood to uh, who, uh, the, the next generation. I, I know some young guys that I have a lot of faith in, and, and they really are my heroes. Um, both of them are originally from the East Coast. Um, I think I touched on – I'll just start from the top. I don't know what was – uh, off the record, what was on the record, but <laughs> <laughs> about three years ago, I, I met this guy, Jeremiah Walton. He uh, is part of a, a press um, called Nostrovia. Um, he's put out, actually put out someone you've had on your show, um, Zarina Zabrinsky. Yeah. Did I mispronounce her name as well? <laughs> you did. <laughs> doing better. All right. Here we go. And, uh, but, so, he, he has that press and uh, in, in connection with other people, of course. Uh-huh. And then he has a traveling bookstore. And this is what he's been doing with the majority of his time over the last few years, going town to town, hitting open mics, finding out about the local you know, publishing communities um, and used bookstore communities. And he survives on donations. Um, so, you know, just living on the road, slinging books. And he provides an absolutely invaluable service of getting local art out to the country as a whole. In fact, I got a Facebook message in the middle of the night last night from some woman who's from the Ozarks, but she was in New Orleans at, I can't remember the name of the coffee shop, but in, in talking to her, I found out it's the oldest uh, continuously running coffee shop uh, west of the Mississippi. And uh, she found a copy of that, that my first book, Beautiful and Abominable, a real beat up copy, which is my favorite kind of copy, uh-huh. on, uh, on you know, just sitting around the table. And she read it and said, hey, where can I get more? Uh-huh. Um, you know, Jeremiah regularly hits both coasts, uh, big poetry festivals. I know he um, hit one in L.A. Uh, about two months ago, and he goes and hits the New York Poetry Festival. Um, I'm sure there's a more official title for it, but it doesn't hit that every year. And, you know, I've seen pictures of my book in people's hands on, you know, on both coasts. And so he, 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 um, has done more probably to get my book out to the larger world than anything else. And he's also hooked me up with, um, um, with a lot of the publications that I've, um, I've been published in. Of course, my proudest one is a horror sleaze trash. (laughs) It's an Australian porno magazine. So I can now say I've been published on two different continents. Um, but, uh, you know, he uh, came and spent 10 days with me um, this fall. And, um, you know, we worked on writing together and, you know, buzzed around and talked about a philosophy of writing. And we've, we've stayed in touch. And looks like I'll be putting out something from him and hopefully some of his compatriots. Um, I'm not saying that Jeremiah's work isn't good enough all by itself, but I, I like to get um, as many different voices into a small space as possible. So that'll be done by the throwdown, which is, it says 21st, 22nd, 23rd of April. Um, 
And um, we'll talk about Damian Rucci next. Um, <laughs> I know we're hitting that halfway point. What's so funny to me, because I have this image of Damian stuck in my mind because I loved it so much. He has this picture that, that he put, posted. Oh, like 40 times the, a day. It's every meme. Yeah, with, with the bathtub with beer. And I loved it. And so I, I did this little thing with it because Steph French, who's a Kansas City mm -hmm, poet, yeah has a bathtub picture of a very different kind yes. on the cover of her book. And I couldn't resist after I did the interview with staff and I'm posting this stuff. And so I post her picture and then I post Damien's picture <laughs> with the addition of it. This poet is not Steph French. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you really couldn't, as far as what that photograph is depicting and who they are as people, the way they write, their personalities, you couldn't get more polar. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they're both from New Jersey. I think Steph is originally from New Jersey as well, which is, I think, why we started talking a few years ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, me and Damien are going to have uh, a book coming out together through EMP, Perfect Bound, you know, ISBN, online distribution, <laughs> etc. cetera. Um, I've been trying to do a, a, a split book of poetry for a while now, um, and it just it never panned out. Um, so I'm excited to say that finally, finally, I can, uh, I can let someone else do most of the selling of my book. <laughs> And uh, just uh, and Damien's the one to do it. And, and tell people, don't worry about there's no section. Just uh, here's my section. And if you happen to read there's no section, that's okay too. But um, we don't have a title for it yet. Uh, we're trying to work out some dates for a tour, uh, just on the back end of um, of the throwdown. <laughs> try to get. He's going to fly out here, and we'll try to get him as close back to home as possible. And. Uh, then I'll probably just end up doing a marathon drive back. All right. But, um, you know, try to not hit necessarily the, the, the exact same places where our poets are coming from. Because mm -hmm. um, they'll still be getting back from the throwdown. And I'm sure they'll be sick of us having spent three days with it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't really have too much information about that. Mm -hmm. We're still in the infancy stages uh -huh. of, of both the books I've been putting out for Jeremiah and anyone else he decides he wants to include. And um, me and Damien are still just in the process of getting our poetry together so we can start figuring out what the theme is going to be and graphic design, et cetera. Yeah. And then uh, hopefully, um, well, we can all convene on a spot at some point, be it Baltimore, be it um, be it Clevesburg area, you know, the, <laughs> that area where there's just, there's, there's so much good publishing going on. Yeah. Um, also my grandfather, on my mom's side, emigrated from Spain um, to this country, to, of all places, um, Youngstown, Ohio, which is halfway between Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland because of, you know, field jobs, you know, jobs you could get and not speak English um, and, and make good money and raise a family. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen yet, uh -huh. um, but I would really like it if the three of us could get a house together and... Um, you Which know. are the three? Uh, me, Jeremiah, and um, and Damien. Ah. And uh, basically have an artist in residency for people who are putting out books. Uh -huh. um, I just got uh, some edits on a, on a project I'm working on from Jeremiah. And he's he's got really great instincts. I'm excited about it. I haven't seen Damien edit anything, but um, I, I read his book. Um, I know he's got another one coming out. <laughs> 
I just haven't been able to get my hands You're around it. You're missing it, Damien. What? I know, I know. He's, he's got that Twitter book, um, which I just haven't gotten around to yet. Um, but he, he's got a great eye, you know, um, and he's a good poet. He's got a great heart, man. He's, <laughs> he's, he's you know, he's, he, he's an East Coast guy. He, he's a porcupine. He's real, real, got a real, real soft underbelly. So it'd be nice if we could get together and, yeah. and offer basically a service that's saying, hey, uh, come live with us for a week or so, and and um, we'll guarantee you 24-7 access to somebody who's made books, loves books, is a book person, and uh, we'll, um, we'll provide you any services you need, whether it be you actually need us to help you print it, uh, we'll create an imprint for you, um, you know, if you need help, you know, uh, planning a tour, that's, mm-hmm. that's more Damien and uh, Jeremiah's specialty, not mine so much, but both of them are real good about it because they cool. do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and just be able to take someone from, you know, having a manuscript that's about there to, uh, you know, them leaving with, uh, you know, the book, if not actually going to press, at least have all the infrastructure there, all the graphic design done, everything typed out, laid out, um, you know, and, and plans for how they're going to distribute it uh, moving forward. Um and uh, see where see where that takes us. But you know, I have, I have a lot of faith, uh, faith in, in both of those guys. Um, you know, they they've just done so much. Um, both of them by the age of twenty five. Um, you know, more than I've done by the age of thirty. So, as as with all of my adventures, I find good people to piggyback on, <laughs> and uh, you know, I learn from them, and I've learned and, a lot from them over the last couple of years of knowing them. They learn from you too. It's good. It works both ways. Hey, we need to take that little yep. break. We're going to hear from a couple of the Lawrence, Kansas businesses that sponsor LawrenceHits.com. And I get to say a big thank you to Daniel Smith, who does all that tech stuff for this show, including getting the 2017 shows onto iTunes and Google Play Music or whatever it's called. <laughs> thank you, Daniel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein with Asia Martin. We're having a great time. And you are just so much applauding other people. And, you know, I think we should hear a little bit of your poetry, too. Well, if we're going to hear my poetry, obviously, um, a, a lot of what I'm doing and a lot of what a lot of, you know, you know if you're an artist in this country right now, you're probably writing about that piece of shit, Donald Trump. So um, I think we'll start there. Uh, before I read though, um, let me say this. Um, we made it through Nixon. And if Nixon ran today, um, he would be too far left for the Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders supporters. So we certainly have a lot to worry about, but um, I think we have a, a long history of, of counterculture art um, in this country. Um, and, uh, you know, what was true in, in 1985 for, uh, for guys like, you know, Greg Graffin from, uh, Bad Religion and Bill Hicks is still true today. Um, the fascinating thing about Donald Trump though, is uh, to quote Bill Hicks, um, you know, you're just, you're, you're voting for two sides of the same puppet anyway. I mean, these people don't actually run the stuff. There's about 12 guys, you know, the one percenters that, own this country and run it. And when a new president gets elected, they bring him into a smoke-filled room, they bring down the projector, and they show a video of the Kennedy assassination from an angle that no one has ever seen before. And then when that's done, 
they roll up the screen and they said, do you have any questions? And the president inevitably goes, what's my agenda? What's fascinating this time around is Donald Trump is probably one of those 12 guys, um, which is which is why, uh, go figure, he doesn't want press briefings. But um, we've been dealing with, with these people's puppets for a long, long time now. And uh, if we could make it through the Bushes and both of them, and, 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 and the Reagans and, and um, the McCarthy um, era, we can make it through just this just fine. And uh, it's always darkest before the sun rises. But um, anyway, so um, I know that there's been a lot of anthologies that are, that are coming out. Um, you know, Arts Uprising. Um, what was, I think I might be getting them mixed up. What was Zarina's project called? They have a project called the Arts Resistance. Arts Resistance. You can find them on Facebook about, and that's an ongoing mm -hmm. collaboration and activism. Right, right. And then locally in town, there's going to be a um, an anthology coming out, put out by 39 West Press. Um, uh, the, I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag on this one. Um, but, you know, the main collaborator, collaborators there are uh, Jeanette Powers, uh, Jen Harris, Monique Salazar, or as she's um, referring herself to now as MG. Um, and this is a poem that hopefully will make it in. Um, when thinking about the Trump um, presidency, the thing that came to my mind first was um, King David, right? And, and what a piece of garbage he really was if you look into it. Um, and so this is uh, Bathsheba. It's about the woman he raped whose son would uh, secede him as the next ruler of Israel. <laughs> this is from her perspective. You saw me bathing, and I, not even naked, could feel your heat on my skin before I knew you were watching. Sending for me was only a formality. There would be guards and spears if the messenger wasn't pleased, so I told him he could watch. We finished getting clean for you, but only if it satisfied him. I only wanted to blush, wash the blood out of myself so as to lay a trap in the hole I knew you would be using like it was a handle to jerk me and my family around with. You were the king suddenly, and I was resigned to you killing my husband just as soon as the details were signed. So I decided then and there that if you were going to rape me with the glad handing caress of property that can be manhandled without permission, I'd keep you for a few rounds. I'd have enough seed inside me that you'd have a son who one day would come to take your throne like you had decided to take me, like a sacrifice to sins you'd never be blamed for. I raised my ass to you not only because it was the easiest way to pretend that I liked it, but also because I couldn't stand to face you, knowing I'd see you in our son's face forever, and all women can do is build a better future out of our tragedies. There was no changing that Goliath fell, maybe by your sabotage. So you were charged with our destiny, and not because you were powerful. Your wig of Samson's fallen hair fooled no one, but because you were scared and full of poison. Even I told you, when you asked me if it felt good, knowing surrendering to meant prospering with the king, that I knew you as just the kind of boisterous little boy with delicate small hands who had accepted deep down that he'd never be big. 
you put your seed in me anyway, and I asked you for more, because on your borrowed time, it was the battle I knew I'd always win, precisely by proving that you were empty, just God's vessel, and I was full of fecundity and a future I could control more than even you. So, I guess oh, to wrap, Mr. Donald Trump, huh? <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess to wrap this uh, that that section on on. Uh, God, we got to come up with a, with a better name for him than Mr. Smallhands or whatever. I was going to try to make some kind of like Oompa Loompa joke. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, from this will we'll come something great. You know, from, from the, the Bush, the latter's presidency came Obama, right? And um, I, I would think that this presidency can, can do nothing but mobilize us for a better tomorrow. Yeah. And on a slightly morbid level, um, as with all elections, uh, the next one will be one of demographics, right? Uh, minorities will be, if not quite a majority in this country, much, much closer. Um, and the baby boomers will be dead. And um, a lot of them, at least. And uh, yeah, I mean, Using some old statistics just Based to... Based on 2016, a lot of us are going to be dead in four years. Right. <laughs> Possibly by suicide, right? But uh, and just to use old statistics to illuminate something. Um, so this is from um, when I was working for fundraising for the ACLU in 2014, leading up to uh, taking um, uh, DOMA before the Supreme Court, that um, something like 51% of all Americans supported gay marriage. But when you looked at demographics of all people 30 and under, 79% of them supported gay marriage. So <clears throat> um, I think it's, it's undeniable that, that moving forward that um, we're gonna have a voting population that just won't be anywhere near as interested in, in this Trump presidency um, or, or leaders such as himself. Um, there won't be a great America to hearken back to for many of the voters or many more of the voters in, in the 2020 election. So don't worry, it'll all get better. <laughs> or, or to quote Jello Biafra, all you need is some friends in Iraq. I mean, tomorrow you're homeless, but tonight's a blast. Riot, riot. So anyway. <laughs> well <laughs> not that i would ever advocate that sort of activity but you know there's a lot of amazing art activism that's going on and that's you know you we mentioned briefly zarina and the arts resistance and they did a lot and tried to get the word spread about different kinds of, of ways to bring artists together to protest there, I met an, an artist in New York City who's a filmmaker, Betty Yu, and, and her work is largely about anti-gentrification, which of course oppresses people of lower income and people of color, people in different minority groups. I mean, there are artists doing all kinds of amazing things. And I think we need to elevate awareness of that, both because it gives help and it gives inspiration. Um, yeah, I, I got kind of bogged down there thinking about artists and gentrification because it, it can go kind of both ways. Um, you know, artists can be the wave against gentrification. Um, 
because while um, demographics might change slightly, as, as we saw in Detroit, right? You know, cheap rent will bring the artists. Um, they're also tend to be less interested in whitewashing that part of town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I've kind of hinted that I'm thinking about moving to Baltimore or Cleveland or other areas that, um, you know, terrifies my parents. But, I, you know, um, my, um, I, I have uh, a cousin who's an artist um, and I have another cousin who isn't. And um, <laughs> she was talking about, well, you, you can't move into these areas of Baltimore. It's just dangerous. And there's a whole different kind of meme. And, and they're just going to, they're going to really hate you. And I go, look, you know, Kansas City has a higher murder rate than, than, than or is a top 10 murder rate. And I, I bet it's probably higher than Baltimore. I do believe further research proved that to be true. Um, and, um, you know, I, I have no interest in, 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 in living in the white part of town. It, it, it wouldn't feel like home to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm bumbling and, 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 and rambling about uh, gentrification, I guess. But um, I think for people who don't buy in to advertising so much, um, they also don't buy into this, this thought of... of um, the fear of violence. Um, I had a poem in that that, that book, uh, the first one that came out, uh, beautiful and abominable, called "Sold." You know that we're sold on the blight of gun violence, so that we'll buy more guns. Um, a couple of years ago, um, just just for fun, uh, in the middle of the night, and uh, to to those who uh, do not realize that I'm wearing a dress, I'm wearing a dress right now and i was then walked through the ghetto in the middle of the night and and just you know kind of uh, took took pictures about every 10 to 15 minutes um because i was told that this you know was inherently dangerous and in fact i was even baiting people to come kick my ass and nobody cared you know they, they have their own lives to lead and um I, I think that this idea that there are uh to to uh, borrow Hillary Clinton's uh, uh, faux pas, super predators out there is an utter fiction. It just, it, it doesn't exist. Anybody can walk pretty much anywhere and not have to worry about it. Um, except of course women, right? Because you're constantly um, under threat there, but that has nothing to do with the color of your skin or your demographics. It's, uh, it's, it's an indictment upon how, how men feel entitled to women's bodies in general. But I think that's just as true in the rich part of town. So Trump would be the proof of that, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you for uh, adding some semblance of order to the, my rambling, Marsha. But, but yeah. So, what kinds of things, in terms of your own art, are you working on right now? Are you taking a little break <coughs> to to help other people? Um. I never, I never stop writing. Um, as I said, I'm writing about Trump and 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 that that problem of um, you know the the good old boys um, right now. But I mean, I've been writing about that for for a while. Um, you know, I, I'm standing in Brown Bakistan right now. Yep. Um, and 
I can't even watch the news. Like, is, is he, does he have a cabinet position, or, or is he just going to stay the governor? He's hoping that he's going to go to D.C. I don't know what. Okay. No, nothing official yet. But, you know, people of that ilk. And, and that's, that's, that's not going to change. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly satirizing um, the, um, the extreme right and doing it in their own terms, which, which often upsets people. But I think that if we can't accept and face the fact that these people are using very, very ugly language uh, that back up very, very ugly ideologies, then it's harder for us to conquer them um, and to have a realistic discourse um, about why exactly their views are so flawed. Um, you know, one of my favorite pieces of philosophy is John Stuart Mill on liberty, talking about the utility of free speech. Uh, please, everybody, go look that up if you're not familiar with it. Uh, and to give a horrible synopsis of it, uh, he argues that the freedom of speech must be absolute because truth inevitably prevails. Um, and that the only way to find truth is to give falsehood ample opportunity to show itself as falsehood. That, um, you know, if we were to have a conversation um, about, you know, <laughs> uh, um, you know, why the whole spectrum of LGBT should be, um, you know, have ultimate and, and absolute equality. Um, I, I could, you know, we could stand here and I could have a one-sided argument about it and I could tell you everything that's, that's correct. And it makes a much less compelling argument than if we have Joe Whitebread telling us all the reasons that are flawed, obviously, why, you know, that, that shouldn't be a reality in our society moving forward. Um, so, um, I have a, I, um, I wrote a poem called heaven is falling kind of rip, riffing off of, uh, that, that famous bad religion song. Um, and, um, you know, other stuff of, of, of that nature. Um, and then I've also, because of the, the Seawood book, um, been writing about being down and out again. Um, you know. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just keep writing. And so okay. um, whatever comes out is whatever comes out. And, and uh, I have, I have four or five folders in my computer right now that, that kind of, uh, you know, pull different topics. Um, they're not labeled as such. They're labeled things like wishing upon exploded stars and uh, long live the slum lords. <laughs> and, uh, you know, antisocial personality disorder and, and uh you know used typos um what do you do just for fun oh gosh oh god what do i do for fun <laughs> oh god boring stuff <laughs> you know like, like read books and and edit other people's books and, uh -huh. and, and go back through my old material and just write it and rewrite it over and over again um you know and and uh Hang around the bookstore, uh -huh. haunt Jason Reberg's life. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I had a I had a show uh, at the Arts Bar in September of uh, some really really bad collages I made. We won't even get into that. I had it with Jeff Elkenberg, 
um, under his kind of F minus label. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, none of it sold. But you know, I think that's that's uh, equal parts indictment of uh, you know the quality of the art we put out and just how out there it actually was. Um, Have you done a lot of visual arts at a different time? I, no, okay. no, I I can't even draw a stick man. <laughs> um, I really just I can't do it. Um, well, collage is something different. I when I think about collage, it's funny because I think about a friend. And the first time I ever went to his, his studio space and, and his mm -hmm. art was collage. And it was like the room was collage. I mean, there was just layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff. And it was like amazing and overwhelming. And he does some beautiful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I can't draw, so I can I can always cut out magazine stuff. And <laughs> um, anyway, my uh the, the purpose of me and Jeff's visual art is to trigger people. So, um, because, people because in what kinds of ways? <laughs> um, put your put that out there. I gotta I gotta know. All right. So, oh god. So, um, I mean, we've been talking about Donald Trump. We've already been triggering people. Okay. <laughs> I guess it's too late now. So, um, the the biggest piece I did was called uh, "Black Lives Matter for Profits," and. Um, what it was was I was first of all you have no idea how hard it is to find still existent magazines that are nothing but all gay black porn so I cut that out and then censored the naughty bits with crucifixes and uh, stickers from a Bible book of like you know the Virgin Mary and etc and then listed out all the, the cardinal sins uh, or the fatal sins, should I say. And I, I'm not sure people really got it so much. But the, the point I was trying to make was that um, I think the black community is getting hit from both sides mm -hmm. by, by shame and uh, being told just, you know, to be quiet and follow the proper line. Um, that you have on one side the church, which is telling them, you know, there's there's no salvation besides God. There's no salvation outside of the church. We need all your money. Don't spend it on yourself. You know, this life you're living right now is, is impermanent. There's a heaven afterwards, you know, kind of turn the other cheek, which uh, you, you, it, it, uh, people have to realize what, what supposedly Jesus was actually saying there, right? Um, because the Jews were slaves and the Romans would backhand them because if you punch somebody that made them your equal and they wiped their ass with their left hand. So that would be more shame upon the Roman soldier to hit someone with their poop hand uh, than it would be upon the slaves. So turn the other cheek is not asking for more. It's uh, a subtle way of saying you will treat me as an equal. Um, anyway, so you have that on one side. And then I thought on the other, you have white people who are, realistically profiting off of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I, I guarantee you that if you went down the rabbit hole on that one, you realize that more white people made money off of that movement than, than the community that was fighting for their own freedom. So as I said, the point was just to trigger people. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, it, it, that, that issue had started to die down a little bit as we got closer to the election. Um, and I wanted to bring that to the forefront 
Um, so, so yeah, to, to go back to the last 10 minutes of our conversation, a lot of what I do is, uh, is, uh, just making people angry about stuff. I think they should be angry about, um, you know, because it's, it's real easy just to get on your Facebook and, and play your Farmville or whatever game the kids are playing these days and, and forget that there's larger issues out there. Um, you know, ex- especially when these larger issues don't have easy solutions mm-hmm. and it's real easy just to, uh, you know, get online and, and, and forget about reality and plug into that virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the point about anger is one that comes up in a lot of different places, basically. I mean, one of the, one of the lines I've read in terms of New York Times, et cetera, and then here on, on news is Democrats need to act like Republicans, you know? And that that's you know, the whole idea about not being complacent, you know, because that, mm-hmm. that's one of the things, you know, give Trump a chance. Like, no, 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 no. You know, I, I had a great conversation with a friend who has a small business here. And he was saying, you know, well, we need to be optimistic. But, you know, and I said, you know, anybody who is of that age, you know, this guy's 70 whatever years old. He's spouted all this hate. He's never shown any inclination to do anything other than himself. <laughs> And then he's going to change. No, no, no. So stay angry. Do things. I think that's a gift. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, In final words, what's coming up that you want people to know about? Um, well, we'll, uh, we'll retread over a couple of things. Number one, the 18th of January, the Uptown Arts Bar. Um, Samantha's book is coming out. I think along with this interview will be links to the presale website as well as mm-hmm. the Facebook event page. Yep. Uh, please come out to the throwdown of Prospero's in April. Um, you know, we're going to have probably upwards of 100 poets from uh, across the country. Not all of them will be performing, but all of them will be at your disposal. Uh, so you'll be able to get a better view of, of uh, the national poetry community yeah. and uh, talk to a lot of people that are angry yeah. about injustice. There you uh, go. They'll have more poignant things to say than, <laughs> than most of us will. So now that I'm old, I'm, I'm into listening. <laughs> That's a good thing. Living to be old is a good thing. You're not old, but living is a good thing and uh, listening is a good thing. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me on as always. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you listeners. We hope you are leaving this show inspired and so on.